playoffs are officially over and my voice is coming back after a crazy <laughs> long weekend of yelling over fans and crowds and music and so much more. I'm joined right now by Emily Rand for this week's episode of Rift Reaction. How was your travel, Emily? Uh, it was fine. I mean, it was very, it was very chill. Um, I was on a plane with C9 getting to Chicago and then I was on a plane with some of the C9 staff, mainly Jack, but then like there were a whole bunch of us on the plane leaving Chicago as well. So nice. it was it was very chill. I mean, I love I tweeted this already, but like because I'm from Boston and I was really spoiled and having like actual public transit and like a city center where you can like walk around and there are people and all this other stuff. LA does not seem like a city to me. Like I've already been really upfront about this. Like I uh, haven't experienced as much culture shock as I ever have. Like moving to L- like moving to LA was the biggest culture shock I've ever felt in my life. And so um, going to Chicago is just so cool because like you can just wander around. You can take the train places. It has like a, a city center and people are walking around. It's really vibrant and uh, has a lot of like old buildings. And I don't know. I just I loved being in Chicago overall. Yeah, no, Chicago was great. The finals were great. There's so much fun stuff uh, that we're going to be talking about on this episode. But yeah, I oh man, I got back super late. So this is uh, <laughs> basically woke up and now we're recording this. And so I've, I'm still in the processing phase of everything that happened this past weekend because it's actually so crazy. You know, you look forward to the finals so much and then it happens over such a short period of time. Yeah. And then you afterwards, you almost have like whiplash. Like what happened? Uh, where was I? What happened? What was that? OK, but let's let's get into a bunch of different things. Uh, we're going to be talking about so much on this week's episode, because not only do we have LEC playoffs and finals, we have LCS finals weekend. And then we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about about world so much so that we're going to be shoving some of that into next week's episode yeah. because we're going to have some downtime coming up. Um, but, yeah, there's a whole lot to dive into. So first off, we're going to be checking to see how accurate all of you were last week when we asked you in the poll who will win LCS finals? 13% of you said EG, 25% of you said Hunter T, and of course, a whopping 63% of you said C9. But I wonder how many of them would have predicted a 3-0 stomp from C9, Emily Rand. I think only Flowers did on the broadcast team, and that's because he always picks... His his goal is to always pick something that will least create discussion, right? So last year, if you remember, he was the only one with the evil geniuses 3-0 prediction uh so he was the only one who got that right and uh he uh he also predicted 3-0 c9 um you predicted 3-0 c9 nice i did i did as she was saying this i said it was going to be close i pulled up i didn't see this i pulled up and yeah the whole uh, flowers and i are the only people between all the analysts influencers casters etc uh, who predicted 3-0, and boy, does that feel good. That's why I teased you guys when I was walking through the bottom of the stadium, and I was like, ha-ha, 3-0, I called it, blah, 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 when I was walking between all you casters or whatever um, in the hallway because I felt very good about how Flowers and I had had done it. Uh, and I got praise from the uh, 
the players themselves when they walk <laughs> I in. like how in the preview so for those that don't know and can't see Travis brought up like the the LCS tweet on it and in the Twitter preview of it it's just Raz's 100 Thieves 32 yes, prediction hanging out in the in the cropped uh, thumbnail which is unfortunate yes yes well regardless uh, it feels really good to be right and um, and boy because here's the thing Emily Whenever all of playoffs has gone almost every series to five and the rest mm -hmm. of four, there's one thing that that means for the LCS, which is that the finals will be a clean 3-0, okay? <laughs> I use something called narrative-based analysis, and I find it to be very successful. All right, uh, so we talked about, uh, we, we got checked your poll last week, but first we're going to talk about LEC yeah. before we get back into LCS. Odomomne did it. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's actually so awesome to see Odomomne actually get his LEC title, you know? Because for those that don't know, he's been, uh, he is a veteran top laner. He's been around so long. He's been trying for this EU LCS slash LEC title for years. And it was just so cool to see this cathartic moment for him and Rogue. Uh, I guess as an organization as well, and we can kind of talk about that narrative a bit, but it was funny because I don't know if you were watching LEC finals at all, but like as it, it was obvious that like Rogue, you know, they're on the precipice of winning, Odo's camera on stage started like glitching out. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like all four of the other Rogue members. And then like, you know how they did this for LCS finals too. Like yes. on the outside, they have all the portraits on the screen and his is just like freaking out. And like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, even the like computers and cameras don't believe that Odo is going to win, win the that LEC was just finals. him shaking his desk and the cable getting loose or something like that, you know? It, it looked like a... Did you see what... Because we had a bunch of technical glitches. Yeah. Did you see when they initially went to the casters and they were like in Tron? Oh, like, no, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, oh, it was, it was like that where he was just like glitching out. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, either way, it's, it's super cool. And one of the things that's interesting to me about this is that... Um, it continues a pretty big trend that we've seen in the last couple of years of both LCS and LEC. Like th those two regions basically were locked up by a couple of teams mm -hmm. in, who had only won. And now in the last couple of years, we are, we're really starting to see a lot of other teams break in. So it's been really cool to, to see that. But uh, I mean, to your point here in the notes, I mean, it, it took a very long time for them to get to this point. Well, and like, I know people who watch or listen to the episode last week will know that obviously I was thinking that it was going to be G2 Fnatic again. Um, Fnatic were kind of uh, en route to making this really strong lower bracket run. Rogue lost to G2 um, 03 in the upper bracket final. So it was like, oh, we're, all, we're destined for another Fnatic G2 final. Um, let's go. But... Uh, it was just so cool to see Rogue finally come and be able to take the title because I think, yeah, like not only has Oduamne been trying for years, but then Rogue for the past, I would say like four splits at least have been this team where they're crushing it in the regular season, right? Like we joked about that press release they sent you where they're yes. like, we're on a seven game winning streak, let's go. Uh, be and, and then everyone's like, yeah, Rogue, they're going to be the most dominant team going into playoffs. Like, they got this on lock, and then they lose, right? And yeah. that's happened, you know, narratively for the past uh, bunch of splits. So, and it looked like 
narratively going into finals that Fnatic were this team that was ramping up and the meta was really good for them and they'd figured out a lot of stuff. And so um, it was just really awesome to see like the, it was a really emotional final. It reminded me a bit of, um, it honestly reminded me a bit like to your point with newer, not newer orgs, but like different orgs coming in and being able to take the title. It reminded me a bit of EG's spring win in, um, in any finals this past spring. So I don't know. I was just really, really happy. It was obviously a very emotional, emotionally cathartic win for the rogue org. And then again, especially Odo, he's been trying for so long. It was so awesome to see him finally get his title. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of it? I have another three O that we'll talk about, but what did you think about the three O? Was it surprising to you at least? It was a bit surprising. Um, I expected G2, like, if you told me Rogue One, I wouldn't be super shocked because I'm right. like, yeah, they're they're capable of it. This team is very capable of winning. Um, but I would have expected, again, like a 3-1, a 3-2, especially since G2 swept them in the upper bracket. Um, and Rogue came out and they just, like, the fir- once the first game ended with that comp pentakill and then the next game he came out um on the caitlin uh and it was just i don't know like as soon as that happened i was like oh okay like it actually is gonna be a rogue 3-0 like they're just coming in with um you know like it's kind of like after i think hundred thieves one game one you could feel that it was going to be a 3-0 as well in uh in na so yeah I didn't. I didn't expect it until after game one when I was like, "Oh, okay." It felt very stomping. yeah. And even then, I mean, in game two, the Kate, like obviously, I I pointed out comps Caitlyn, um, Malrong on the J four, uh, but then the comp that G two had, I was actually expecting them to to kind of take over with like Sivir Karma, Liss. Um, I was like, oh, I don't know. But then, yeah, Comp just had an amazing Caitlyn performance. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to ask all of you, because I just asked Emily if she was surprised. We want to ask you all on this week's poll, how surprised are you that Rogue won LEC? Very surprised, surprised, not surprised, or you knew they would win the entire <laughs> time. Uh, so I think it's kind of a fun way Be to honest. put it. Because, yeah, uh, Emily doesn't. She'll know if you if you're not being <laughs> honest because a lot of you will probably be like, "Oh, I knew the whole." Let us know. It's it's fun to sometimes gauge how these upsets are. All right, let's talk about LCS. Cloud Nine finally did it. Wow, what a surprise! I'm just uh, continuing your yeah. Uh, well, uh, they finally won a summer. They hadn't yes. won a summer final since 2013. So right. Well, and I think they. They had won, but they also hadn't won in front of an audience, like a, a significant audience, you know, and uh, for a long time. And so, yeah, this was, uh, I think, in the same way. Well, maybe not to the same extent, but at least for some of the players, probably a fairly cathartic experience, similar to the rogue side. Um, and and they won in such a convincing fashion too, which is just it's just so wild. Like all throughout summer, you know, going into literally four weeks ago. I was teasing, I think one of the, maybe Sven or somebody because the, their players all summer split had been saying, oh, you know, like we had a late start and so we're just trying to catch up. And they'd been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. 
And then finally we get to playoffs and I'm like, okay, like you guys say yeah. you're going to catch up and that you just need more time, but now you're in playoffs and sure enough, they, they did it. Uh, so I think, you know, props to them. Very impressive run and very impressive finish, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you spoke about how it was an emotional win. I think it was really cathartic for Blabber actually, yes. which is something I did not expect. Cause like, I've interviewed Blabber for years. I know you have too. Like he's very happy-go-lucky. He's very chill. Even after like really big victory moments, he's just kind of happy and excited, right? right? Like I've never seen the same kind of outpouring of emotion that I saw uh, between him and the crowd once they started chanting like MVP for him. Um, He teared up and that was like, it was really cool to see that kind of catharsis for Blabber because as much as... uh, you know, we we did the whole blabbers crabbers joke, which I'm so sad I didn't get to eat the rest of that crab. By the way, it looked it was so good. Um, is is that like he's been ripped apart a lot for his international performances, right? Yeah. And he's been heavily criticized a lot um, because of his play style is going to look very bad when his initiation doesn't work, right? And so to to see that moment for him. I think was was really cool because like sometimes you sometimes if you only see the negativity to to go back to something we talked about last week um you forget that there are a bunch of people on your side you know so it it was nice well we should also maybe talk about the 100 thieves eg match as well um and went went the full five game series um which i think a lot of people did not necessarily expect i think a lot of folks were really concerned that there would be a 3-0 but um, still managed to go to five games. Uh, any takeaways from from you? This is obviously the first time we've seen Calry play uh, with that LS- LCS team, and from what it sounds like, we should expect to get used to it going into Worlds. So, yeah, uh, I think he obviously is going to bring out a lot more laning focus picks. Um, however, that will translate to what the world met- Worlds meta ends up being will be interesting because I think the Lucian Nami is. Uh, is going to die off. Yumi's dead. Zeri's dead. Um, so I think his the the strong leaning picks he does have, um, in particular the Lucian, he he might not be able to bring out because of some nerfs. But I do think he brings like a much stronger two v two to the table. Yeah. Um, and then his team fight in order to get because like Danny. Uh, as much as his laning improvements were made this year, you know him for this kind of 5v5 team fighting, right? And, and skirmishing ability. Um, and so Kauri still needs to get there with this team. He's obviously only had, what, like a week of, yeah. of scrims with them. And as far as I know, when they were pretty much only scrimming like Maryville and a, and a few, maybe a few other teams, but like obviously going into finals. You're not scrimming like yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes scrim. Well, and shout out to Maryville for for scrimming them, right? Sure. Um, but like, like shout out to you, Jensen, if you're listening. Um, but the the thing is, yeah, like he will have a lot more experience with the team and um and prep going into worlds uh through scrims and through just spending more time with them. So yeah, well. Uh, either way, looking forward to seeing what they can do in plans and dear God, please don't don't bust her out. It's so wild. I don't, we're going to see most of our world's conversation for the next coming weeks. Cause we've got basically a, a pretty big dead zone to talk about worlds, but, um, 
Oh, man. I feel like planes is going to be very interesting this year. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about finals weekend in general. Since we were both there, unfortunately, we can't too much to talk too much about the LEC finals weekend because we were not there in person. But well, especially since I had to like I was going back and revisiting it this morning, actually, yeah. because a lot of times we're doing prep rehearsal. and rehearsal and yeah. makeup and all this other stuff. So. So finals weekend, uh, let's get the bad stuff out of the way. Fan fest seemed to be a fairly unmitigated disaster. I don't know how much you were able to catch on. To that was stuff. also something that I was not yeah. able so to. So I will tell you what happened. So they, they put it outside. So full disclosure, we did hotline league Mark and I did, um, on stage and at the Grubhub booth, shout out to uh, Grubhub for making that happen. But, uh, they had, we were supposed to go live at 10 and we did, and the doors were supposed to open at 10. So we knew there'd be a delay in getting people in to watch, but they'd spent like an extra 10 minutes to get people in. So we just saw this giant line Mm -hmm. outside and then it took forever to get people in and it was pretty warm. It was not the way it's been in LA, but it was also on a, a asphalt parking lot. And so people started to get very hot and they were selling water for six bucks each. Flyquist was giving some out, but there was just not like there were not hydration stations. There's not like cooling stations. Uh, they had very limited food trucks, and and the some of the food suppliers sold out really quick. Um, and so there started to be a couple people. We saw I saw at least one person who had like fainted, and they had to wow. get gurneyed out. So yeah, on so it's very fascinating because on it was wildly it was pretty bad both days for different reasons. So that was. Day one, uh, day two, the storm came mm-hmm. and there was lightning and all this stuff and it was pouring rain. Um, and it, full disclosure, I was not there for that day, but from what everybody was tweeting at me at, there was a lot of miscommunication from riot on terms of where you could get in. And so there were people that were kind of stuck outside getting drenched for a long period of time while they were being sent to the wrong gates, uh, to be able to get out of the rain. And yeah, so it was, I think a lot of lessons for FanFest out of this. And I just, as I'm going to talk about how amazing this event was, but I think it's important when we're talking about fan experience to also talk about how FanFest had a lot of problems. And I know there were a lot of people. I mean, there were some people in my replies that were comparing it to Fire Festival in terms of what people's yeah. expectations were versus what ended up happening. And I think I'm also just kind of disappointed by some of the teams like, Immortals and Dig were not there. Some of the other teams that were there, I think, had a very limited presence. Somebody told me that TSM was giving out like merch, like the wrist, like those wristbands and stuff that uh-huh. were from like 2014 and 2015, like <laughs> just old supply and stuff. So I don't know. I think they need to completely rethink how they're doing FanFest because if they're going to do it outside, they need to do it in a much better way. The teams actually need to commit in a much better way to it. Like, I don't know. I was, was a little disappointed. However, the rest of the event was incredible. I think maybe the best opening ceremony that LCS has ever had. Um, absolutely loved it. I don't know how much you could see from your vantage point because it was kind of a, a an interesting position, but I, I got to watch it from up near the top and it was really cool. So I'll say this. I only have one small 
kind of pedantic thing, I guess, to say about the opening ceremony. Yeah. Um, because it is good. It was really good, and people loved it. And even the day before, with announcing the top ten, yeah, I thought that was really really cool as well. Um, and I wasn't sure how that was gonna play because you never know how many people in the audience are new fans and how many people are old fans and obviously like we know that we trend towards older like historic fans um but you never know if that's just online or like actually at events when people want to come sure because you'll get more casual fans in that regard um so i was super happy that played well i know like uh we were able to talk to dyrus a little bit afterwards because he was on the desk for the first uh you know for the first game and like it was a really emotional and like cool experience for him which made me really happy um and and so that part was cool my only issue with it and again this is like really nitpicky but the the you give all of this space to the history of the lcs but that history is only between the the spark part that they gave space to right was between 2013 and like 2015 2016 and so then there's this really weird vacuum where i was saying like where is the like if you're watching this you would think the lcs just wasn't around from like 2016 to like now when they start playing with the three like the burn it down thing with the three teams that are here on the weekend and that's really frustrating for me because i do feel like and again I know the broadcast has received a lot of flack, especially in 2020 and 2021 for not doing a good job building the narratives of their players. And that's something I've been trying to do behind the scenes. But like, guys, there's so many awesome stories between like 2017 and now too. you know, like Blabber is in there as like one of our crowning achievements. Like he's so freaking good. Like, why are we not celebrating his moments? You know, I don't know. It makes me really mad. Because I like the play towards nostalgia, but I don't like this idea that there's a vacuum and like nothing cool has happened in NA since 2016. You know, like that really bothers me. You know what's funny? Did you watch the um, the top 10 memes of all time video that they put out? Because they were not. doing all these videos. So all the memes, like the best moments and best memes and all that stuff were from the first five years of the LCS. I didn't realize that until somebody had, I had like tweeted about it or something and then I saw somebody had replied uh, or maybe it was just in the comments. Like it, it is very interesting to your point that like maybe you can make the argument that that was like the first era and now we're in the second era or something like that, or we're wrapping up the second era and going into the third. And that's why it feels weird to talk so much about like an era that people feel like we're in. But um, I, it is a very interesting call out that I had not really thought about. And, and yeah, it is, it is really strange because you know you're you're right that half even stuff from half a decade ago did not really see much player conversation and um i do it it's such a good point i hope you you can bring it up internally because um i I was talking to somebody who's just like oh yeah everybody that works or is in a position of power at the lcs right now is like an lcs boomer not anymore because we obviously have the new commissioner and there's new marketing guy and all stuff coming in but like all, a, a lot of the people are like, oh, yeah, I remember watching Dyrus yeah. play and stuff like that. And they're not necessarily going to be like, remember when Licorice dominated for like two years or something? It's just, yeah, it's it is. It is a very good point. Um, yeah. it, it bugged me. It bugged me yeah, a yeah. lot, actually. Yeah, it's fair. You should um, you should call into Hotline League tonight. We should have that conversation. Again. I will. OK, Mark, Mark already knows because he heard my rant in the green room. OK, okay. fair enough. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, but other than that, opening ceremony was great. I actually loved the 10 pro players walking out. It was great. Bjergsen and Peter holding the statue. <laughs> Whoever decided to make that decision. so good. Because I actually thought they were going to do something where they, because I thought they were counting down, right? And last week we talked, I think, about Bjergsen getting yeah. top top 10, if, if not we didn't, or like the top of all time or whatever. And so I thought it was going to feel really weird if it's like double lift and then Bjergsen. But the fact that they brought them out, I think really actually does do a better job of sharing the story of those two players yeah, that sort of really being cool. neck and neck and playing together and being friends and all that stuff. I, I really, really liked that moment. I thought it was so cool. Um, Having some of the old pros back, I think, was really awesome. You guys had divers on there. I ran into them in, in the um, one of the, the areas backstage, and I had not talked to him in so long, and he came up and, like, hugged me and stuff. It was cool. And um, and he was just – he I, I was not surprised when he teared up walking out because he told me, he's like, just being here. This was beforehand. He was like, just being here is so emotional. Um to be back and see everybody. And I saw his tweet that he made about sort of coming to reckoning, I think a little bit with where he's been at mentally for the past four years and stuff. So I think it's, I don't know. It's, it was this event, I think 2015 finals and seeing Peter win was always going to have maybe my, the place in my heart of being my favorite moment. But this event might be up there in terms of LCS event on global events for one of my favorites. Like it was just so personally cool to see so many people, to see uh i i really like the c9 roster and i like all mm-hmm. their players and yeah. so it's cool to see them win um i mean the it was the first time in years like we went to houston and houston felt really good but seeing the full in the round arena basically sold out it was pretty close to it was just so cool it was just like this this event hit for me on so many levels personally and professionally had some really cool content that came out of it. Um, I have a really cool clip that I'll, I'll show you afterwards that I'm going to maybe put out either today or tomorrow um, where Vulcan was talking about how he got the Quebec flag from mm-hmm. Nicole and on hotline league uh, live, she had talked about uh, Mark asked her her favorite moment from being in here. I thought she was going to say winning in Houston and she said, she said that when she got into esports in 2017, um or she started watching she saw uh or no it was maybe it was 2017 whatever she went to a clutch game and Mm -hmm. saw vulcan and because she has family it's french canadian she was really excited and so then landing him for the team was a really big moment for her and then vulcan talked about getting the flag from her and so that's very cool yeah if if people want to see this i'm sure i'll have tweeted out by the time you're listening it's actually really really cool but it just the whole weekend just hit on like so many levels for me um, personally, professionally, et cetera, that I, I don't know. One of my favorite events, I think, of, yeah. of my career so far. So I just want to do one quick shout out to the person on the steady cam that had to try to keep up with Berserker when he was sprinting yeah. around the arena. So I talked to him about that too in the in the interview. And what he basically says is that he I was like, Why did you run? And he was like, Oh, because um, I just thought about everything cloud nine has been through this year and like losing a coach and losing, becoming like the only Korean player on the team and all that stuff. And like having to reset the roster and all this stuff. And then finally winning, he said he just felt like, like running around the arena. It's like a really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. I yeah, love Berserker, yeah. man. Yeah, no. So that's just a fun little clip from that interview, but I just think it's cool to hear his, 
his reaction to kind of the the whole year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, regardless, anything else to talk about finals? Or is it time to talk about the team that didn't make finals? It's time, yeah, to talk about... Team Liquid. Super teams. Yes. Okay, so if you guys missed it, I would go check it out. Uh, it's too long to, to maybe drop into the show, but... Steve from Team Liquid and hats off to him. I really have always loved this about TL. They do such a good job with transparency. Has basically said the Team Liquid Super Team era is dead. What was your reaction? Uh, I think it's interesting. First of all, like shout out, shout out to Steve. Like I know people might think that I like dislike him or something because I've been so critical of TL's roster building strategies actually i mean i I like love steve he's he's great we're really lucky to have him um so for people that kind of think that i dislike him for some reason that's not true at all um and he is like even if i disagree with like again the roster building strategy he's always very transparent and and very honest about like what the thought process is i'll be really curious because they have for people that don't know and like this ended up kind of being a meme with i think uh for those that don't know, Nasir, who's one of the EG analysts, tweeting out a picture of TLA and being like the real super team or something, like the TLA super team or something like that. They like, did very well for this. They, yeah, their academy team is is very stellar. Like the, uh, you know, these these guys have been at the top of people's scouting lists for a, a while, especially Jan and Ayla. Obviously, Armeo came in as a substitute uh, and they still nearly won finals with him um stuff like that so this team is very very good and i am most curious to see how many of those players end up on tl next year yeah i i back you know to to the the video point i think a lot like i was really surprised and we talked about this i think a lot of us have talked about it how much vitriol there was in the community for Mm -hmm. this team liquid roster and Look, I'm happy that the community is moving away from just being like, oh, we only want stars because there was a time where the community was pretty anti like no name rookie. Mm -hmm. And they've like now changed to being like, no, we want new faces over the past, like honestly, three years. Um, But for a while, they were really excited about teams and wanted teams to go out and and buy contracts for all these players. But it's like it's always going to be very hard for me to knock Steve, who's just like, look, I do this because I want to win. Yeah. Like, I want North America to have six success. I don't really care who the players are that's competing. I've always, you know, and, and I think what people might not know and what some of us hear behind the scenes is, like, how much he pushes to make sure with his organization and his stakeholders and everybody that he can get the funds to go out and get really big names and bring them to the league. And mm-hmm. he put his neck on the line over the years to be able to do this, and I think finally it's gotten to the point where it doesn't make sense for him to do it anymore. But like I don't, he's not doing that because he's like, Oh yeah, I hate NA players. He's doing it because he's like, I want team liquid to win. And honestly, I appreciate that we have owners that are like that because I don't think all the owners are. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm also excited to hear that this is happening. And boy, do I think that salaries are going to come down this off season. <laughs> it's like my main takeaway is if I was a pro player, I would be very hopeful that I am in a long-term deal and that my organization is very happy with me because 
I think we're going to see some interesting stuff. And I think last week I was saying that I didn't expect much movement in the offseason. I am now expecting a lot of movement in the offseason, both from the Steve video and also just from stuff that I heard at finals. So, um, but maybe this gets us into, maybe this gets us into, we should, we should move on now from the LCS and get us into worlds. Um, so should we, I, I'd like to really quickly just checkpoint in with world's tickets. So if that's okay with you, yeah, Emily. go for it. I know I keep talking about it, but no, I mean, I've had friends who had trouble getting tickets. Yeah. So, so last week it. it was very confusing. I think there was a MasterCard presale and people were very confused about that timing. Then there was a verified fan presale and some people who signed up didn't get a code or they signed up for multiple days and only got a code for one day. It was very, and then it was just kind of weird there. I saw a lot of confusion around that. Uh, tickets went on sale. I personally had to buy a bunch of tickets to help Mark Z because for whatever reason, broadcast talent don't get tickets to groups. Um, and so, and uh, I guess that might might be talking a little bit about what Mark expects to get in terms of work for groups. But um, yeah, they went on sale. I think the process was honestly fine on the ticket master end because they've gotten used to like having so many people come in, but I know it was super frustrating and like the way that it works, you can't actually buy a package of like multiple days. You have to go buy like them individually. So it's, it's kind of weird because if you want to go to like group stage or quarters in New York uh, and you're flying to New York, it's like, are you going to go for only one of these days or can you get multiple days? I think there's a lot of frustration from fans at how small the venue is for playing or for, well, for groups. Um, but also I've heard from a lot of Latam fans who are incredibly frustrated that riots like we're bringing worlds to your region. And then they chose to do it in the arena that has like a hundred seats. Um, and so I just want to mention that because I've had so many people from that community reach out to me and ask me to like raise awareness of how frustrated they are. So, I don't know. It just kind of continues the world's ticket frustrations. So um, shout out to everybody who got a ticket. And I'm so sorry for the people that didn't. But Emily Rand, I've been talking for five minutes straight. So tell me about plans. Yeah. So plans start September 29th. I'm not going to get into who has it harder, blah, blah, blah. Because like I said, we're saving that because we're going to have some comparative downtime i guess you, we'll you talk about say. groups yeah next week um but i i mean we can save all the talk for plans for next week too if you want but what i want to talk about is talking to some people behind the scenes uh you know na teams as far as i know are not boot camping at all because yes. worlds is in na and so previously even when worlds was in na there was enough time that teams would fly out to south korea do boot camps so they could scrim South Korean and Chinese teams from there and then return to North America in time for their performances. But because of the turnaround time, because of COVID, because of all this other stuff, teams, as far as I know, are staying here. So I've heard from one team that there's a consideration of teams boot camping in Mexico City. That's interesting. Isn't it? Like, yeah. I actually think that that I hope it happens because I think that could be really cool. And it should be for NA teams, at least. That's not that bad of a flight and you stay in the same time zone. Like, yeah, I, don't, I think the challenges there are like maybe logistics, because obviously, if you want to boot camp in Korea, there's been years and years of this stuff and people figure out how to do it. I don't know if they how easy it is to do in Mexico City, but yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be so. So like what this means, because 
previously you'd already have pocket like scrim pockets right where like a certain group of teams would very obviously be scrimming each other and then they would interpret the meta one way and another group of teams would be scrimming each other and they would interpret the meta a completely different way and there's going to be two dead patches for people that don't know like we call dead patches kind of something that has no competitive play on it right so 20 uh uh, 1216 and 1217 are effectively dead patches just because the changes in them matter a lot. For example, Zeri's dead, by the way, guys. Rip. Um, we're, I'm sure you're so sad. Uh, but like the changes aren't going to necessarily, you won't see them until, you know, worlds happens. And so it, it creates this kind of dead zone where people are really trying to figure out the patch and not having a boot camp and trying to figure out how teams are going to be scrimming, whether they're sharing information with each other. Um, from my opinion, I think it would behoove NA teams to actually share information and work together as much as possible. Um, but yeah, like I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what people come up with considering when the LPL and LCK teams are going to be actually arriving in North America and then how uh, what the scrim even schedule is going to look like for certain teams and how they're going to go about scrimming and what they're going to go about prepping. And then obviously the other interesting thing is that sometimes teams do super well when they aren't even able to scrim like the top quality opponents, right? Cause they'll come up with some very, very unique thing that no one knows about. So I'm very, very curious to see how the meta evolves. I think we're going to be almost completely in the dark in terms of, um, what teams are going to interpret it as and i think that is so fun actually and they won't get mental boomed uh sure yeah okay well here, <laughs> here's a question is there a world where this very much favors lck and lpl teams because theoretically they can scrim each other up until the moment they fly over here right mm -hmm. so that's a little spooky yeah i'm spooked okay uh, either way, no, it's a very good call out. And I think this is, I need, I need to check, but I think this is the shortest time we've ever had between finals and plans. It feels like normally there's at least one more week. Um, and so it's a little, I don't know. It's a little wild. I feel like how, how quickly plans starts, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, we are running along on the show. So let's get into, uh, this week's, well, actually we all, while we're talking about worlds, I almost forgot. We did a Q and a with you last yeah. week where we asked you about the world's format and how you would change to make it better. It's so funny, by the way, that they put out that world's format explainer video. And I just like, I wasn't even watching the stream, but I know there was probably so much boo hiss and they uh, they put it on Twitter, on Twitter. And so many people said double them. And speaking of so many people saying double them, Wow, is that what the majority of people yeah. are saying in the replies here? Double Lim, um, Brett says he really likes your Swiss format that you presented for MSI, so shout out. Um, insert thousandth plea reply for Double Elim from Matt. Um, I think uh, the big other thing that I'm not seeing here, like I'm seeing Swiss system with best of threes. I'm seeing Swiss system with best of fives. I'm seeing almost everyone say double Elim. Also shout out to Jack five miles. who just said no clue shrug emoji. I appreciate that. Um, the big thing I'm not seeing here is outside of one thing from Anthony is because he said less representation for major regions, so group stages. So I don't necessarily disagree with this, but it ties into something I didn't see in the replies that I would like back. 
And that is the International Wildcard Qualifier or something separate for minor region teams. And previously, I would not have said this. I was actually kind of a proponent of mixing them in before to, to have experience and stuff like that. But it's be, play-ins have become so bloated that it's really frustrating because these teams in my opinion, deserve to have their stories told. Riot has made it abundantly clear that Worlds is a celebration of all teams from a variety of regions, and it makes it so difficult to then be like, congrats, second seed in your region. You get to play RNG. <laughs> like, you know, like you, you, the most famous example, which is partially because the VCS teams couldn't make it right, but like, the most famous example is the the MSI where UOL and uh, and Pentanet had to play RNG and just got absolutely exploded every single time, right? Like, it's so hard to tell team stories. It's so hard to actually point out the ways that they have improved. Yes, obviously they're not as good as LPL and LCK teams, but like that doesn't mean their stories don't deserve to be told. And it makes it so much harder to be like, yeah, this is the way they've improved. And now watch them get blown out by the LCK fourth seed, you know? So I would like to see that back. That's that's my like hot take coming out of that. And I didn't see it actually. Um, I agree with Double Elam as well. Well, guys, I know we were going to talk about your answers to that question. Sorry. But Emily was much more interested in her answer. Hey, to this I, I pointed out. <laughs> no, no one had that answer, though. I was really surprised. No, no, no. no. I, I'm just I'm just teasing. Um, but yeah, no, it's it is interesting to see how many people are, are frustrated about this stuff. Uh, to Brett's thing about my format idea. Do you mean maybe it was Mark? I'm trying to remember if I ever presented a Swiss format idea. Yeah, yeah. But maybe, I mean, maybe Brett sees us as, because I think it was a blame game that he did or something on my channel. And so maybe that's how it's sort of the Mark Travis yeah. show. I mean, also, pretty much every single person said double E limb. Yes. Like double E limb, double E limb, double E limb, Swiss format, double E limb. Yes. Just double elimination, Keck W. Yeah. All right. So this week's QA is after playoffs, how are you feeling about EU and NA's chances at Worlds? Uh, because I don't know, maybe you thought C9 looked incredibly good. Azale was tweeting about why they look so dominant, and maybe it's well, like the most positive. Then afterwards, wasn't he like, oh, we're screwed <laughs> after yeah. groups are drawn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but whatever, we'll talk about that. Um, okay, so it is time for reaction shots. Do, 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 do. Okay. So. Uh, here is my reaction shot, which is this is honestly the playoffs has been the best four weeks of LCS in, I don't know, since at least 2019, maybe 2018. And I don't just mean like it, the games, the games have super delivered, but I also just mean like literally everything. Like I feel like everyone is crushing it right now and turn not maybe like this is not we're all in our final forms, right? Like, and when I say everyone, I mean the teams, players, uh, the broadcast, etc. Actually, the screw the teams. The teams haven't been good. Uh, not wow. not the not the players themselves, but I mean the organizations. I don't think have done as good of a job as they could. Uh, but everybody else, broadcast the 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 
player slash the player components of the teams. Uh, I feel like my content's been really good. I've seen a lot of other people put out really good content. Like everything has just been awesome. The opening ceremony was super cool. The event was super cool. The fans have been telling, doing all sorts of cool stuff. There was, there was a really wholesome story that I will blast out about how on Friday I retweeted somebody who said they had an extra ticket and that lived in Chicago. Somebody from, or I think was attending from in Chicago. Somebody from California reached out to him, bought a last, bought the ticket from him, or maybe he was giving away, bought a ticket to uh, Chicago took a red eye flight, showed up last minute. Then they hung out, became really good friends over the course of this event. Like, there's so many cool, wholesome stories and wholesome moments, and just things that make me remember why I love this job and why I love working in the space and all this stuff. And so, I don't know. I've just absolutely loved the last four weeks, um, and it's given me so much hope for the future of the league. At a time where I think, even just a few months ago, I was fairly jaded and. Um, I'm just feeling really, really, really good about LCS right now. And I think it's because of everyone except for Dignitas. Okay. Wow. Uh, I have a, I have a hot take that I will put out later this, this off season that I really want Dig to sell their team. Okay. Emily, uh, I always do the positive, uh, takes here on reaction shots so it's time oh, for yeah. emily to end on her negative one it's true i do have kind of a negative one yeah. um so i want or rather i miss the days when we had an actual group draw show right like a separate group draw that was a ceremony and then an actual discussion afterwards like a roundtable discussion um with people from different regions. Obviously, I would volunteer to be a part of it. I don't have to be a part of it. You can pick someone else. I don't care. Just someone that can speak confidently on a lot of these teams because when it's so rushed like this, we get like almost zero turnaround time. So even having watched all four major regions, there's so many narratives that I wanna touch upon that I can't. So like I ended up just word vomiting about the LPL teams. But like, for example, C9, T1, EDG being in the same group, like that's a callback to 2016. T1 and EDG always seem to be destined to meet each other. You have the JDG, uh, G2, Tom One group where like G2 and Tom One seem to always be destined to meet each other in the past like few years. That's a really interesting narrative. Um, you have uh, this group D with like Gen G and then if R and G qualify, they have to go into that group, right? Because there are three other Chinese teams in the other three groups. Um, and and Gen G uh, as Samsung and RNG have this like massive history and so there's like and that's not even getting into how these teams perform and how they play and how they match up against each other and I want time to talk about this I don't want it to be like we're going to the stage you have five minutes we're going back to the stage you have like close it out um and and like shout out to fudge for coming on desk and making it really fun and shout out to my coworkers because I think we did the best we could um, however, I would like space to to talk about this. And obviously we will get space in the in the coming weeks to do content and stuff. But I think it would behoove everyone to have an actual separate group draw show where people are talking competently about the teams and setting up narratives and setting up play styles. And I don't know, I miss that. Like I miss the days like I remember the roundtable discussion on stage and I think it was like Jat. Frost, Papa Smithy, maybe, and Deficio. And they they were just like shooting the shit about teams. Like I miss that kind of thing, right? Like I miss that content and I miss having the space for that content. Boom. 
Poggers. Counterpoint, I really loved hearing the audience reactions to the draw. It was That so was funny. very funny, yes. That, I actually really, really like that. Like, whatever people would boo some of the teams or like they'd all collectively groan whenever we draw like edg or something into the group of death i don't know i just thought it was that was very fun but no it's a it's a good point i'm glad you brought it up all right guys this has been a mega episode of rift reaction yes because i mean there's just so much stuff that happened but there's going to be all sorts of worlds discussion kicking off next week with us on the show so please tune into that and we'll see you all next time. 